Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Jan Vertonghen with a thumping volley. And he waits right at the last. The Miller! Steering by Alderweireld. And he shaved it. Hugo Lloris. Vertonghen captain delivers when his team really needed it. Eriksson. Yes, it's brilliant. That is absolutely stunning from Christian Eriksson. Gabriele to finish Arsenal off. The song. Hello and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs, where we return to review and dissect that 0-0 draw away to Watford at Vicarage Road, and also look ahead to this week's Premier League game to come, back at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Norwich City. Now I'm pleased to have back on the show with me, Michael Bridge, Sky Sports of course, and those Tottenham Hotspur annuals from 2008 to 2017. And joining Michael and myself, we're pleased to hand out two debuts here on The Last Word on Spurs. To first up, Rob Guest, a Tottenham Hotspur reporter for Football London. And also Jerry Cox, the sports writer and broadcaster at Haters Teamwork. As we looked towards these guys, hopefully giving us some more therapy on Spurs in this next hour. Enjoy the show. Mike, I'm going to start with you. Pleased to have you back here on the last word on Spurs. A first away clean sheet for over a year for Spurs. And we were just 10.04 millimetres away from all three points up against Watford. On the downside, a worrying lack of thrust in that final third. And thanks to Gazaniga for denying Dini from the spot to save us that point. What did you make overall 
Mike, of that performance up against Watford? I think the picture of the ball just slightly pretty much over the line sums up Tottenham's season, just that picture in general. Um, look, it was an improved performance. I think Liverpool was a decent performance. I think Mourinho's got, got the balance and the setup pretty much spot on last couple of games. It's just bla- it's glaringly obvious, isn't it? They can't score. There's no target man. Um, even Aurea running down the wing, crossing it, and there's just, there's just no one to feed it through. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting tired of saying this nearly, nearly every day, but to have no senior striker fit senior striker in this squad is really biting the club back on the backside, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's the, it will determine where Tottenham finish now this season if they don't get a decent striker, at least one, because you can see they just don't score. At least it ends this absolute nonsense from other supporters where Spurs are better off without Harry Kane. Absolute rubbish. Um, decent. I mean, this is a different Watford to the one with Kike Sanchez-Flores. However, looking at it, Spurs, six points like against Watford would have been perfect. Then potentially beating Norwich. Then you start looking a bit higher again. Decent point, but... Could have been three at the end. Mike, we've got a load of listener questions in as what we normally have here on the last word on Spurs. I have to ask you this one. This is from Luke Harper at Luke 10 Harper, who says, in all honesty, has Jose Mourinho improved us in any way from what you can see on the pitch? Mourinho has probably looked at it and thought, "Cool, this is a tougher job than I imagine. I'm still trying to get my head around how much surgery this squad needs. Game after game after game under Pochettino, I thought, right, poor performance, they'll turn it around. Poor performance and they'll turn it around. But then at Brighton, I looked around and thought, wow, this is a really stale squad that needs surgery. And I never saw it. Perhaps maybe the Champions League euphoria last season blinded me and a few others to to just how poor things had become. Just how much we were lacking in certain areas, how stale some players had become. Some have slowed down, have lost a yard of pace, you name it, different individuals. But clearly, we really need major surgery. Now, there'll always be supporters who... Love Poch forever and accept, you know, some won't accept Mourinho. That's absolutely fine. But for me, I think Mourinho at the moment has a free hit and he can do what he likes with that squad in the summer. I mean, it's an absolutely pivotal summer for the football club. Does it go back to where it was before Poch, 6th, 7th and 8th bracket? Or does Mourinho get them back in the top four at the first time of asking? It is a monumental summer. It really is. I know we've got the Euros, but... You know, you're looking at about ideally seven or eight out and seven or eight in. It's just absolutely huge. This summer, and especially even this January window, I think it is going to sum up where Spurs want to be as a football club in terms of, you know, really pushing on long term. Two debutants on our show tonight, as I mentioned in the intro, we've got Jerry and we've got Rob. And Jerry, I'm going to start with you because Spurs have that 17 shots on goal, five on target, but they just didn't have the composure or the confidence to put the ball in the back of the net. And, you know, and having spent a full week ahead of the Liverpool match working on the team's structure and the principles, as Jose Mourinho calls them, clearly the defence is a lot more stronger. But, I mean, what do you make at the moment from an attacking perspective in terms of what we're offering at the moment, Jerry? Well, I can only echo what Mike was saying. Is, is they, you know, they are crying out for a proper number nine. And, you know, not only are they suffering without a Harry Kane or a figure who plays in the Harry Kane way, but when you start putting, try, trying to get that sort of performance with a, either using Lucas Moore or Deli Alley or, or Son as a false nine, if you like, or as a player who comes in and can score goals, you sort of take away their strengths as well. So Son looks not the same player the last two or three games. He ha- I don't think he's looked 
quite as sharp as he was even even a month ago. You know, that, 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 that brilliant goal against Burnley. I mean, he was on fire. Last couple of games, he's had chances and he's missed them woefully. You know, he, he did have one good... It would have been a sensational goal yesterday when Winks hit a beautiful forward pass on the on the diagonal, and Sonny took it on the volley, and and it was way way over. I mean, if that had hit the net, it was it was certainly a goal of the season contender. But you know, he's not hitting the target, and that miss against Liverpool last week was a, was a really poor miss. I, I thought much worse than Los Celso's because it was a classic. You know, he had time to measure it. He just had to put it in the net. He was he was you know. So I think he's he's missing. His game has gone off because he's uh, he's being asked to play a slightly different way. Um, Delhi the same, you know, he started well. Delhi playing off Harry, but again, you can't ask him to play as a centre forward. You know, you're, you're taken away from his natural game. And Lucas has got a lot, but I mean, he's it's a lot to ask of him on his own. And I think yesterday, you can look at the number of chances, but I, I said to you know another reporter straight after the game, I can't remember Ben Foster really being stretched. I think there was one maybe from Son, which was a deflection. Um, that scramble at the end. There was one occasion that stuck out is Lamella, who, you know, I think last couple of games he's looked quite lively. But he got into a, you know, he got more or less on the edge of the six-yard box. And it was on his right foot. And it was, you know, it was a toe poke. It was, it, there was no power in it. You know, he, he's so left-footed. And that's why you can't really expect him to score goals in those positions much of the time. So they're absolutely crying out for a, for a number nine. And I, and I said, you know, in the press conference, Mourinho was talking about, I, th- I thought, given that we didn't have a number nine, I thought we did okay, blah, blah, blah. And I said to him at, towards the end, I said, uh, well, you, you know, you mentioned not having a number nine. Is that a, a priority? Is that something you can address in the transfer window? And his answer was quite disturbing, I think, which was essentially, um, we have to remember we've got what we've got. This is the team. This won't be Tottenham's last game of the season, nor will the next one. You know, we essentially, we have to think for the long term. Why, why go and panic by now? You know, and it's almost like he's writing the season off or just hoping that this squad will suddenly start scoring goals. But there's no evidence of that. There's nothing, you know, even yesterday, you look at the bench, who's going to come on and start scoring goals? You know, they're all out there. And of course, the worst scenario is, one of them gets injured and, and, you know, which is which is more than likely that someone else is going to get injured. Um, then they really are thin. So they've got to sign someone. They really have to. I mean, I I think back to Windows when they panicked a bit and they brought in Louis Saha or even, even um, Nelson. Andy Boone back in the <laughs> My day. God. You know? Are we at that point now, do you reckon, Jerry, where we have to start considering probably bringing even someone like Fernando Lorente back? Are we, are we that... Desperate well, now, do you think? Looking at a player like that, do you think? Listen, absolutely. Why not? Bring in a body. Bring in a number nine. You know, he's got no faith in Troy Parrott. That's clear. He's not even making the match day squad when we're short of an out-and-out striker. So he's obviously... There's something there that he has think, absolutely though, Jeremy, no... Just on Troy Parrott, do you think it's more of a case that he doesn't want to throw in a youngster to what is now kind of really under-pressure games to get a result, where ideally you do want to bring a youngster in when there is the opportunity where the pressure's off you and there's not a desperation. Of course, you want to win every game, but there's not a desperation there. Is at the moment, you feel that if he comes in and doesn't do well, it's going to really kill his confidence. I don't think so, because um, A, I mean, he, he did it with Tanganga last week and, and that's really paid off. You know, the last two weeks, he's, or the last three games, he, he's looked OK. You know, he looked good and, and confident and thriving. 
And Parrot doesn't strike me as a as a boy lacking in confidence. You know, he's got something about him. So I don't think I don't think it's that. I just don't think he. I don't think Mourinho thinks he's up to it. I don't think Mourinho doesn't believe he's anywhere near a first team player. So he's not going to give him a chance. Um, and as I say, you know, I think there. Are, it's a terrible time to buy players. You know, they're overpriced. They know how desperate Spurs are. You know, you, you you talk to people in the game. I was chatting to someone yesterday after the game, and they they said, "Yeah, of course they're crying out for a striker, but the market always all is against them at the moment." You know, so even um, what was the guy from Cape Verde last week? Zamaria. You know, he, he, he's is it Zamaria? Zilouis. Yeah. Zilouis. Yeah. You know, nowhere nowhere near the sort of quality Tottenham need. But even the fact his name's been thrown in shows the sort of level of desperation almost anyone's getting a shout at the moment so you think oh come on they've got to do something they've got to do something well i mean let's ask rob delighted to have rob over from football london rob you've had the pleasure of covering spurs for the last oh, year and a bit or so i have to ask you you know rob from the perspective i you know want to say here the three games since they really poor run of conceding goals we have seen a far more organised unit at the back and that clean sheet to be fair against Watford have been coming for some time but how much does it concern you Rob that from attacking perspective why Spurs we just look so blunt we can't seem to finish off chances incredibly uh, frustrating uh, you're not going to score goals you're not going to win games and that's what Spurs need to do at the moment uh, I mean it's been the case all this season where they've uh, had an awful lot of the ball, but they've just not been able to uh, do anything with it in the final third. Uh, I mean, Christian Eriksen, he's started uh, the previous five games uh, before the Watford one, and he got brought on yesterday. Uh, There's just uh, no one there at the moment who can play the final ball. There's just no cutting edge, and that's what, you know, they're desperately lacking, but as you've all mentioned as well, they're desperately lacking a striker. But if there's uh, no one there to create the chances, then uh, you're not going to score goals. Rob, just sticking with you, we've got a question in here from Viva Leeds at Minspurs. It says, how has the squad been allowed to become this poor? I mean, do you think it's also a lack of confidence amongst the squad? Is it not rejuvenating it enough? What would you put it down to, Rob, for you? Uh, well, I think you always need to bring fresh faces in. And I think what didn't help was uh, last season when no one came came in at all. I know looking at like the likes of Liverpool, Man City, in order to stay the top, they're always bringing in players. And Spurs just didn't do that. Uh, this season, what's not probably helped is uh, it's taken quite a long time for uh, the new signings uh, to get up to speed. Uh Giovanni Lacelso. I mean, it's only really now we're seeing uh, the best of him. Uh, I mean, Pochettino eased him in initially, uh, then he got that injury in September on international duty. Finally, when he was starting games, uh, Pochettino then uh, was sacked and Mourinho's come in and obviously he didn't fancy him to start with. And it's only really now he's... uh, getting a good run of games and you know it's quite frustrating really when you're bringing in someone in the summer it's January where they're making an impact Ryan Sessegnon as well I mean he came in uh, with an injury and I mean he was always going to be just eased into it really he was never going to be thrown in and uh, one of these to make a big impact and then Tangay and Dombelli uh, it's just the injuries with him 
at the moment. So ideally, when you bring summer signings in, you want them to hit the ground running. And, you know, it's, it's just not been the case. And this month is so important for the club. Uh, the strike has got to come in as a priority now. I think we've got, what, 12 days left in the window. And, you know, if they don't bring a striker in, then I can't see there being any Champions League football next season. I mean, Rob, as someone that you are so close to the club in terms of reporting on them, I'll ask you this question. This is from Gulam at Gulam Afso 11, who says, Seeing us like this begs to differ why on earth we sacked Pochettino. Last year without Kane, we still played well. Some even said without Kane, we was better when Son was up front. Jose always uses excuses, whereas Pochettino always found a way to make things work. We need a serious rebuild. Do you also think, I mean, on the back of that question, Rob, it's also about giving this manager more time surely we can't judge him so early on I mean listen don't get me wrong it's not been a great start so far when you look at the fact that at the moment you know he's got two points from his last four games we're on a run of three games in the league without scoring do you think a lot of it now is being given now the Mourinho that full season next season really have his players in place at the moment he's working with Pochettino's squad on his own isn't he to some degree yeah exactly Uh, I think what you've got to remember as well I think it's Eight weeks is it now he's been in the job and quite a, a long period of that. There's been midweek games. I think it's probably two weeks, two, three weeks he's had on the training pitch. And he always said that January was going to be such an important month for the club in terms of uh, it'd have a lot more time on the training pitch at Hotspur Way, you know, to implement his own ideas, get the team playing his own way. And then improving everyone and it's been incredibly frustrating that he's not been able to have the time but like I said you've got to remember it's eight weeks into the job you're not going to be able to uh, work miracles in that uh, short amount of time you've got to you know give him till uh, the end of the season see how he does uh, let him uh, strengthen in the summer build his own team and then judge him at the end of uh, next season, really, you've, you've got to give him time. It's uh, not enough time at the moment to be judging him after eight weeks. Too short a period. I mean, what seems to scream out by all of this opening 15 minutes is that second striker conundrum and the need to bring one in. Now, we're going to listen back to Mike's interview that he gave... Well, he, he provided on Sky Sports Transfer Talk where he was very, very clear in terms of Tottenham Hotspur needing to move for a striker. I am sick of hearing about this question. Why does anyone want to join Tottenham if they're going to be on the bench to Harry Kane? I'm sick of it. It has to stop because Tottenham Hotspur do not have a second striker on their bench at the moment, senior striker. They need that. They need someone off the bench. They need another, you know, a few years ago Spurs had the options of three or four. They're looking short now. Jose knows they're short now. They they let go of um, Vincent Janssen and Fernando Llorente, which, which is absolutely fine, but because they didn't replace him in a bit of a pickle now. Harry Kane's had ankle injuries for the last few seasons, and he's been out for a considerable period of time. This hamstring injury, it's not complete, it's not, you know, he hasn't been ruled out, he, he could be ruled out for this. We just don't know. It's a really bad hamstring injury. There's so much pain in your eyes right now. So Tottenham, there has to be this thing with any player coming in. You could be a top striker for Tottenham. You're not going to be sitting on the bench. It's, it, they have to get away from this, and this I question has this. to stop being asked. I love the passion. For real, I love the passion. You look a little bit upset, but let's be honest, the second striker will be sitting on the bench the majority of the time. <laughs> what, what, between <laughs> now and the, now no, the end no, of the no, season? It, like, at, makes, Harry Kane yeah. has, um, unfortunately, it's becoming a regular thing season after season that Harry Kane is unfortunately picking up ankle injuries and this hamstring injury. So a striker has the opportunity now to come in 
and really make his mark and a hero in that stadium. Okay, so we ask you a question, just a quick question. If Harry Kane comes back from injury and this striker that you want to come in hits the ground running, what happens to Harry Kane? What a lovely option to have. <laughs> Interestingly, Mike, after the game, Mourinho said when he was asked about Tottenham's lack of real cutting edge in front of goal, he said, it's the kind of game where you have to have a goal scorer, where you have a guy who smells goals, you probably win. That missing link is there. I mean, could there be any more kind of clear indication to the board that he wants a striker and he needs one, Mike? It still angers me, to be honest with you, because, you know, it's all well and good letting Lorente go, which is fine. He was a great servant. And Janssen going, he didn't have the quality, really. But you have to replace these players. And my kind of thing, it did turn into a bit of a rant because it doesn't. it's irrelevant about Harry Kane, whether he's fit or not. Tottenham Hotspur, usually in four competitions, you have to have a decent striker on the bench, at least. Even competition. Now, we, we've got to come to realisation now, and I think people will now, that unfortunately, Harry Kane, probably until the end of his career, is sadly going to encounter a serious injury nearly every season. Ankle, 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 ankle. And now this is a serious hamstring injury. And God knows how he's going to make the end of the season. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I just can't see it. Now, the problem Spurs have now is that the, everyone in Europe knows they're desperate for a striker. But it's a terror. It can be such a terrible, tough, tough month for clubs to buy players. It is really, really difficult. It's the summer where you reevaluate and get a, a big name in, a big striker. You're going to have to pay serious money. The very fact that Spurs haven't been linked with, I'd call a top, top striker, says it all, really. They've been offered, you know, the striker we said from Portugal, Zé Luiz, that, that, that didn't really have any legs to start. But the, one of the big problems there is, again, a non-EU, with, with the European ruling, with the Champions League registration, etc., etc. I think, you, you know, Troy Parrott not being on the bench... That might be a little bit of Jose saying to the board, I don't have a striker. You know, to be fair to, to you know, with Mourinho as well, Mick McCarthy's also said that he is a kid. He's 17 years of age. People saying, Troy, Troy, Troy. He's young. You need to give this boy time. Um, they need to get someone in. And I completely agree. It could be, it could determine when Spurs finish this season. It, it really could. Um, so the next couple of weeks are absolutely vital for this football club because I, I personally think Spurs needed two strikers. That's not going to happen this month. It's just not going to happen. In the summer, they'll have to reevaluate it, but they must get a serious, recognisable striker in over the next few weeks. They've got to get him in ASAP, really, because there's so many crucial games coming up because Chelsea have got a tough run. It's all well and good people saying Chelsea will drop points. Are Spurs going to get consistent wins? I'm not so sure. I think that's very key, Mike. Whilst we may look at other clubs around us not winning the likes of Arsenal, the likes of Chelsea, the likes of United, we're not exactly stringing together many wins ourselves. But, I mean, when I talk about Arsenal there, and I hate to compare Tottenham to Arsenal, Jerry. Arsenal have got, they've got Lacazette, Aubameyang, Pepe. I look at Tottenham. We're solely reliant on Harry Kane. And like Mike said there, you know, when we rely on Harry for the amount of seasons we do... It's impossible to think that he can just carry on. He's not a machine. And you also feel like Kane also needs competition. As much as he needs the opportunity to rest during some games, even from the start or from the hour mark, because Spurs, you feel they have to have some tactical flexibility to also play with two forwards, because it's not a bad thing either, is it? No, and I think that's where Lorente works well last year, because he, you know, he, he sort of knew, he, the last two years, he, he knew he wasn't going to be a, a starter ahead of Kane, but he was always happy to be there in the background and take his chances. And, and you know, let's never forget the, the part he played against City in, in, the, uh, in the Champions League 
and against Ajax in the Champions League. You know, he arguably turned both of those games and had a huge factor. So that maybe is the sort of player you need is someone towards the end of their career. Um, but the other thing I'd say is, is you know, just, I've just been watching the United game and uh, Solskjaer's comments after that are even, makes it even harder for Spurs because they, they're saying Rashford's now out for two or three months as well with a stress fracture in his back which means United are going to be looking in the, in the market for a striker as well. And, you know, infinitely more spending power than Tottenham. So suddenly, you know, it's a bit like the Bruno Fernandes situation. A player Tottenham could have got in the summer if they'd have just upped the offer. And, and he's completely out of their range now because United will just spend more. Um, so whatever strikers are that out there, you know, and story today, as you, as you pointed out, that, you know, they're looking at maybe Luka Jovic at, at Real Madrid. Um if United want them, United are going to get them above Tottenham because they pay more. So it's even even today the situation's got worse in terms of finding a striker. We have to bring someone in, and Rob, you know, from you reporting, you know, at the club and seeing what's going on, is there a case of there for you? Who do you think when you look at the, the team at the moment? If I say to you, strikers out that Spurs could obtain, who do you think Spurs should be looking to go for? I think they need someone with. Premier League experience, uh, like I said, you need someone to hit the ground running. You can't be waiting uh, months for them to uh, start banging in the goals. Uh, personally, for me, uh, Olivier Giroud at Chelsea, but Chelsea would have to be absolutely mad to get rid of him to arrive. At least someone with Premier League experience, he knows where the back of the net is. Uh, he himself needs to be playing regular first-team football because... If not, he might not be going to uh, Euro 2020 with France. Uh, now there's been talk about a move to Inter Milan for him, but I think he's going to find himself in the same boat as he currently is at Chelsea because I can't see him starting ahead of uh, Lukaku or Latero Martinez over there. So for me, he'd be the ideal one given you know he's a target man, he's strong, he can play that role. But I can't see that one there being a goer. Personally, uh, I know I was speaking to you beforehand. You mentioned Danny Ings. I think it'd be a really good addition as well. But you're gonna have to pay a lot of money uh, to sign him because, I mean, he's Southampton's top scorer at the moment. They themselves aren't that far away from the drop zone. So if they lose him, that could potentially uh, cost them their place in the Premier League. So. Hopefully, someone can come in with Premier League experience, but I think January is such a hard month to bring someone in. Clubs obviously raise uh, the transfer fees and there's just not that many players available, so hopefully uh, they can uh, get someone in. I hope so, Rob. I hope so. Listen, there's not many days to go in that transfer window. We'll be keeping an eye on it and we'll be asking Mike as well and Jerry their thoughts in terms of players that obviously come in, but let's turn our attentions, unfortunately, we have to go and dissect that game against Watford because, bringing it back round to you, Mike, we saw there was three changes from the game against Liverpool. Vertonghen, Lachelso, Lamella, all in, but a change of shape. And also the four changes from Middlesbrough. We saw Lachelso and Lamella, as we mentioned, start their first Premier League match together under Spurs head coach Jose Mourinho. Tanganga starts at left-back with Vertonghen back in the half fence alongside Adavirod. We had Jedson Fernandez on the bench. And Spurs have now started six different right-backs and five different left-backs this season. I mean, no position better sums up the squad's decline in those full-back areas, Mike, and the real need for stability and better players, doesn't it, in terms of those full-back areas? Yeah, absolutely. Before we move on to this, I have to say a funny story because, I mean, 
I'm, you know, the the relationship at board level with Tottenham and Chelsea is is so pretty toxic that I can't imagine Spurs and Chelsea ever doing business for another 150 years. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, a, little, a little story last year uh, that Mishi Bashiwai was being offered out on loan and uh, they were, you know, being quoted a number of clubs and Palace eventually got him in the end. I think they only paid about 1.5 million loan fee and Tottenham were quoted 12 million. So, uh, you know, it's... Uh, Blimey, that makes it clear, it, doesn't it, when they think of us? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you know obviously, you know, there's, there's, there's some rivalry in those boardroom garners and everything and years gone by and everything else. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, going back to, uh, you know, I looked at the formation, I think everyone was a bit wondering where Tanganga was playing. And I think, it, you know, it was pretty tough for him to play in a third different position in just seven days. Um, and I worried for him when he got the yellow card. Um, but it didn't really worry him. He could be special. Um, I, thought, I think the Celso's really grown into the team. So with all the negativity over the past few weeks, he's been a big plus for me because I wasn't so sure about him, but he's he's proven me wrong. Um, I still think Lamella's a super sub. Uh, he doesn't do enough for me at, from the start. He, he kind of winds me up sometimes. Um, yeah, Toby and Jan, again, you feel like they've dropped, they've dropped a level a little bit because they used to be formidable, the Belgian wall. Um, Jans, Jans was a penalty wasn't it 100% clear penalty um, for me this midfield needs to get sorted and I thought Spurs sorted it in the summer and it's a real dis- it's one of my biggest disappointments of the season Tungi and Mbale real disappointment in are, are you disappointed I, I, in him Mike or are you disappointed in Mourinho's handling of him because there is that argument that you know whatever we hear about Spurs is look bring a player in early bring him in early let him get a pre-season well that's exactly what Spurs done they paid the money early they brought him in for a pre-season and then since then it's almost like you know Mourinho is a, a scene we've seen him a couple of times subtly dig him out we've seen him you know pile the pressure on him I know some of you guys have been at the press conferences when he when he's done that uh, Mike where do you lay the blame there do you lay the blame at Ndombele's door for not being fit enough I mean these guys we know they have personal trainers they have you know nutritionists as well where does the blame lie with Tungi Ndombele and it not working so far I, I don't really blame Mourinho to be honest Rick I mean I, I think people are very quick to blame Mourinho for anything whereas no one seems you know a lot of people won't say anything detrimental against Maurizio but surely Maurizio in the summer must have realised that Spurs need another striker you know but people seem to forget about that but anyway look that's that's done and dusted with, with Endon Bele, look, I've, I've never actually met the guy. Uh, all I know is, and like we all do know, when he's in the team, you can tell he's a very, very good player. But he looks 70% fit at best every time. And it looks like he's carrying a big bag on his back. But saying that, you, you can sense a real player there. Is the French league a poor league? I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, well, Scotland, everyone, get, everyone takes the mick out of the Scottish league. Everyone takes the mick out of that league. How good's the French league? Because whenever I saw Ndombele, I thought, God, what a player we've signed. He could turn out to be the player we were expecting. However, it doesn't stop me being disappointed when I get a text message saying he's continuing his rehabilitation week after week. Spurs need that still, that bit of skill, something in midfield, because at the moment it's not working out for Eric Dyer, where I don't know whether he needs to move or he's, it's, just, it's just not right for him. Winks divides opinion on any player I've known for some time. 
Spurs need a bit more, and I wanted that to be end on ballet, and it's not happening at the moment. Jerry, just to bring your thoughts on Tanganga, we've got a question in here, Dylan at Dills Coyes, who says, was playing Tanganga at left-back a really good way to help him develop? From a coaching point of view, he got slaughtered in that position. I'm sure it really didn't do well for his confidence, in my opinion. Now, I mean, let's not forget, he's been in three different positions in a space of just seven days. What have you made of him so far? And back on that question, do you think it was the right thing to do to start him at left-back, Jerry? Jose made it very clear yesterday why he did it, um, because Saar, the, the Watford winger, he's, he's, very, he's very fast, very physical, so we needed to match up. I mean, it, you know, Jose was, uh, was asked exactly this question, why, why, you know, is it a big gamble playing Tanganga at left back? And he just said we, we needed to match up a fast and physical winger with a fast and physical fullback. And, you know, without doubt, Tanganga's got a lot more physically about him and speed than, say, Vertonghen, Rose, or, you know, anyone else who's been playing out there at the moment. So I think that was, and it was a smart decision. You know, he got a booking, but um, I thought he did all right. I thought he did well again, you know. So, and it's it's great for his development. You've got to say, you know, to play his debut and to be up against Mo Salah and, and Sadio Mane and not really have, have been embarrassed, you know, and learnt from it is is fantastic development. So he's, I think, you know, more than more than happy with the way he's progressing. Um, you know, let's not get carried away. It's three games, one of them against a, a bottom half of the championship side, but he's done all right. And and you know, if he can carry it on, there's a little signs there that this is what Poch did in his first season. He brought in Ryan Mason, then Harry, who obviously had played a bit before, and Andrews Townsend. He started giving them more game time. And those players turn out to be really, really important players for the team if they can keep performing, you know, week in, week out. So, you know, obviously there's a long, long, long road before, but you can see signs that he's uh, physically very good. He's strong and he's quick, um, seems to read the game quite well. And, you know, if he's got that versatility where he can play in either position, which, as we can see, are clearly both problem positions for Tottenham. And, you know, you go back to the really just the not so long ago, the good old days of Spurs, Rose and uh, Carl Walker bombing down those those two uh, positions from right back and left back were uh, were the best two in the country. And, you know, it's no it's no coincidence. The best two in the country are playing for the best team um, in the world at the moment, you'd have to say, Liverpool. So, you know, if you get your, if you get your wing backs right or, or your full backs right, depending on what system you play, you've got a real chance, you know, and Liverpool have got it right at the moment. Um, you could say City haven't got it right. Their fullbacks don't look great, um, and we haven't got it right by any measure. It's looked about. It's cost Tottenham points this season, without doubt. Not having a really good right back, and um, you know, Serge Aurier has improved a bit in the last couple of games, but he's always going to cost them. He's, he's going to make mistakes. So that is a uh, that baffles me. But I think um, Tanganga is a big plus. The last couple of games, absolutely. Rob, I want to ask you on Tanganga as well, because he did pick up a yellow card very early on with an unfortunate tangle with a Senegalese winger. And it is testament to him, I have to say, from his maturity perspective, that to be booked in the 19th minute, he never looked like adding a second when many experienced defenders would have needed to be replaced. Does that give the amount of faith Mourinho has in this youngster? The fact that he kept him on the pitch, didn't bring him off, had that belief that he could still see out the game? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, you know... 19th minute, that's a long, a long way to go in uh, in the game uh, without picking up another card. And I, I thought it was uh, decent yesterday. Uh, obviously, it's going to be hard for him not being a natural left back to go over onto the left side and deal with someone like uh, Sa. I thought uh, he did really well. And I think Marina certainly uh, 
been impressed with him over the past three games and you can definitely see why he's starting him at the moment and you know if he keeps on progressing as he has done over the past week then he'll be uh, in uh, the defence for a long time to come hopefully. Yeah, we're hoping this guy is a star for the future. Now, we are going to go for a very quick break. And when we return, we're going to be discussing Tottenham Hotspurs midfield, Eric Dyer, Harry Winks, their long-term futures at the club, the Yambertongan penalty, Michael Oliver's refereeing performance, and of course, looking ahead to Norwich City to come. Back in the Premier League on Wednesday, do not go anywhere because we are going to be back after this very short break. Jerry just during that break, we were discussing Tanganga and the fact that he's played three different positions in the space of a week. What did you want to mention in terms of playing in those different roles? It's predominantly obviously on the left and the right. Well, what I would say is a, a bit like being a winger. You can see Sonny and, and Lucas Moura swap, swap wings during a match or start on different wings. And I think fullbacks are also players who don't suffer too much. It's one of those positions where you can actually play left or right back. I mean, way back in, in the days and play right back sometimes. And I was just just a couple of weeks, uh, just last week, chatting to Chris Hewton, uh, a football writers event. And we were talking about, you know, he played 90% of his career at Spurs at left back. But he played in the cup final in 87 at right back. And he played internationally, I think, right back as well as left back. It's not, you know, for someone like Tanganga, I don't think it's a huge ask, a huge problem to say, right, one week you're right back, one week you're left back. Obviously, eventually you want to nail down a position. But at the moment where we are, you know, Tottenham are crying out for quality in both areas. If you've got a player who's got the benefits, like as Jose pointed out, he's very quick and he's very strong um, and he's going to be up against that sort of a player. We'll play him where where best suits him. So I think I don't think that's going to be a negative for him being able to switch from one side to another. Sticking with Tanganga, it's a really interesting point you make there, Jerry, because I wanted to bring it on to the game itself back again against Watford. And Rob, we saw Kapu finally get a yellow card where he should have really, he could have been his second one really for his challenge on Tanganga. What did you make of Michael Oliver's overall performance? Because some will feel there's been two handballs in the box ignored and Watford could have had two red cards. I mean, are we looking into it too harshly on Michael Oliver's display? What did you make of it up at Vicarage Road? It wasn't his uh, best refereeing performance, put it that way. I think definitely that tackle on Tanganga won the best one at all from Kapuin. You know, some referees might have brandished the red card, but obviously he decided against that. Uh, the penalty appeals, you know, could have gone Spurs' way, especially that one. Was it Was it Lamella who had the shot, hit Cathcart? Then that was, that was uh, one of them. Uh, but... It wasn't, like I said, the best refereeing performance, but that's the way it goes sometimes. I mean, do you know what, Rob? On the point of that refereeing display, my concern is that like, for two weeks running, Tanganga has been lucky not to have his leg broken by two really bad challenges. You think of the Liverpool game, and then you think of this Watford game, and not sure how you explain it, because neither ref has bothered looking at the challenges, despite the TV replay showing neither referee had a, a really good angle. I mean, we saw for the first time in the Premier League this weekend that a referee did go to you know the side of the pitch to actually have a look at the decision he was making on the TV. Were you surprised that the referee didn't take that opportunity to go and have a look more closer at the challenge? Well, very few have done that so far this season, so that's uh, not a surprise why uh, they've not gone across to the screen. But, you know, they should be doing it at the moment because uh, there's an awful lot of uh, decisions what uh, I think have been called wrong, personally. 
uh, yeah, for me, should be going over to the screen. You know, if that's a red card for uh, Kapoor, then you know we could be talking about a different result altogether. Yeah, it could be a really different result. And Mike, bringing it back to, you know, the real key point in that game, which could have changed everything, was that penalty. Because Vertonghen's hand was in the air as he slid him to block Delefeu's shot. After VAR check, it looked pretty straightforward that he was given. Gazaniga saved, he dived to his right and pushed in his spot kick away. How big, Mike? I say big because obviously depending on what happens in this January transfer window and games to come, could that save be? Some have even described it as big as maybe Larice's save in that Arsenal game. Could you go as far as that or is it very difficult to tell at the moment, Mike, for you how big that could become? Well, it's, it's difficult, Rick. I mean, the thing is, if, if Deeney scores that, do Spurs score? We just don't know, do we? I mean, we, you know, no, we don't. Really strong. <laughs> <laughs> do you think we will, Mike? Do you want to see, honestly, Mike, well, if, we go one nil down, if we go 1-0 down to that goal, do we come back in that game, Mike? That's the what. Yeah, that is the worry, isn't it, Rick? Because... You just don't know, do you? I mean, we are we were literally a hair, even less than that, away from actually winning the game. And what a win it would have been! It's a totally different Watford team. You know, Chelsea would have gone to Watford. So, a bit of a bizarre appointment. You should never really go back in football, and that was the prime example. And he's, you know, Pearson's given him a real kick up the backside. They were pretty well organised. Now, I feared the game yesterday um, on Saturday because. Of their midfield being sort of, you know, quite big, leggy, aggressive, strong, everything I don't associate with us at the moment in midfield. In hindsight, is good, but we have to beat Norwich. Have to beat. It is an absolutely crucial game. They've beaten Bournemouth. So all of a sudden, they're not thinking about the championship next season. There's a little bit of hope for them again. And, and they're not... I think with, with Norwich, they sort of like take too many risks and that's why they don't get enough points on the board. They, they sort of haven't abandoned the way they played in the championship. That's why they play all right football, but they end up losing the game quite a lot. I just worry if they score early, what happens with us? But um, but yeah, look, it's a de- it was a decent point, but time's ticking now and Spurs need to get some wins. If they can have any chance at the top four, and let's face it, it's crucial. You've seen by the Deloitte figures how crucial it is. Yeah. But obviously, those Deloitte figures, we could have an own, we could have our own podcast talking oh, we about could. them. We could do a whole other hour, Mike. We could yeah, do a whole Yeah, it adds hour. extra scrutiny to, to start putting that on into the playing squad. But but there we go. Just before I bring Jerry in, Mike, for you, Lloris is back in training, as we understand, and very close to returning. For you, does he come straight in for Gazaniga? Oh, without any question, Rick. I mean, I, I like Gazaniga. And, you know, I've spoken to him a few times this season, and he's a real good guy. Um I think he's a decent keeper, um, but I'd put Lloris back in. That's not to say Lloris is, you know, after, you know, we know the last few seasons Lloris hasn't has dropped, has probably dropped a, a little bit as well. But uh, no, I think over the last few weeks, I've kind of decided that it was, it, I would hundred percent bring Lloris Lloris in. I, I thought um, Gazaniga was poor. There was a poor goal to concede against Middlesbrough. Um, good save, but I think it's a poor penalty from Dini. A poor penalty. I'm so glad I said before Deeney took it, he never misses penalties. So uh, I was delighted <laughs> when he did. I think I think with a, it was more of a miss than a save, if you get me. It was a very yeah. good height for Gazaniga. Taking nothing away from him, but, but with Mourinho's style of play as well, it's, it's, it's less sort of like on the ball, uh, you know, Lloris passing out to Rose and, and Aurier. 
you know, Mourinho won't demand that of Lloris. It'll be, it'll be more sort of a straight kick out. Will that sort of help Lloris a bit more? You know, it was, I'll never forget that mistake he made against Southampton earlier in the season. It was a bit like when your Ubers are outside and you drop your FIFA controller and like the goalie's just there. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'll never forget it. It was no. just incredible, wasn't it? I mean, oh. Lloris does make some utterly unbelievable clangers, even in the World Cup final. He's lifting the World Cup. Yeah. But he's, he had an awful clanger in the match. But we broke his I arm. He broke his arm for the injury. It was a mistake. When yeah, he broke his arm. Yeah, exactly. You, 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 you well, couldn't that, make it up. I mean, I mean, you could have about ten to fifteen of the worst performances or situations of the season because Brighton was right up there for me for so many reasons. But there are so many. Who's your Tottenham Player of the Year this season? That's got to be one of the hardest questions I've ever been given, isn't it? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I think Tanganga's winning at the moment, isn't he? <laughs> He's only had well, seven well, days. Well, my boat was dead. Fernandez, he had quite a good two-minute cameo. <laughs> we're going to bring it on to Jetson shortly, but um, I mean, we've got to talk about that that moment at the end where we thought we won it. I mean, Jerry, it was so close to a Spurs winner as Lamella scrambles and Aurea cross towards the goal, but he doesn't cross the line. And as we said earlier, I think it was was it ten or ten millimeters? I mean, how close Spurs were to, to getting that victory? And you know, your heart's in your mouth. You think we've done it? We haven't. I mean, on reflection, Jerry, I mean. Is this a missed three points or is it, you know, a positive point away from home getting that clean sheet? Which I think for Spurs, when you look at our record of clean sheets, that's the first Premier League clean sheet we've kept away from home in 382 days since winning Freno at Cardiff on New Year's Day in 2019. Yeah, well, that's that, that if nothing else, sums up just how poor 20, 2019 was for Tottenham. Um, I don't I don't know if, if listen, if at the start of the game... And certainly after half an hour, when you look at how poor Watford were, I know they had a big turnaround in fortune since Nigel Pearson arrived, but they were absolutely abject before that. And they weren't much, but they were poor at Bournemouth by all accounts, even though they won through, what, 4-0 last week. Um, and they they had no ambition. They were hit and hope, just thump it long. Ben Foster was time-wasting at home. You know, they were there to be taken apart. And the first half hour, Spurs had all the possession were playing you know I, as I say I thought they were they were create they were in control of the game they were they were playing some nice passing moves they just needed to put the ball in the net now if if that one goes in at the end you know obviously it's three points and you could you'd be delighted but in the end you're sort of thinking that would really only still be papering over the cracks because you're, you, you're looking at a team that can't score goals and that you know even if, if it would have been a sort of scruffiest winner ever. You know instantly it's not a goal because now the you know the the uh, the referee gets a buzz on the wrist, doesn't he? When when the ball has crossed the line, so there was no VIR. There's no once it's not gone over, it's not gone over. Um, if it's ten millimeters, it it doesn't matter. It could be it, it misses as good as a mile, isn't it? So it's not gone in, and, and essentially that's two points dropped. Now it it actually in the end Chelsea dropped three. Um, which gives them a little bit, you know, Spurs gained a place on Chelsea, but you're still eight points behind them. And that's, that's, you know, you're running out of games to catch up with them. So it's, it's, to me, it's, it's two points dropped because Watford are there for the taking. Um, Norwich will be another one. And I think, you know, we can go on to this one if you, if you're ready, but Norwich, I think they'll struggle. I really do think they'll struggle to score goals. I don't think they'll put anyone away anymore mm-hmm. until they bring in a forward. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we we touched on this before, I know, in the transfer window and the strikers. I'm not sure, I think, I mean, I've said this before on other occasions, I think they should just go and bust the bank and bring Gareth Bale back to Tottenham. I know 
from all accounts, they got quite close in the summer. He was keen to come. Potts wanted him. Uh, Levy and his agent, Jonathan Barnett, get on well. Real Madrid were prepared to let him go. Um, he was prepared to drop his wages. And the sticking point, from what I understand, was that Madrid still wanted a big fee, which just that scuppered it. But if the situation was similar and, the, and a fee was required, bringing Gareth Bale back to Spurs would be a game changer. You know, he is the game changer himself. He wins games on his own. You know that. He's done it before in the Premier League. He would give such a lift, such a massive lift to the whole club. Mourinho would love it. The players would love it. He's got no great ego. He'd walk in that dressing room and, you know, he's got every medal you can possibly win at club level. Um, and But he doesn't bring any baggage like a, a, a Zlatan or that sort of player would. You know, I know, obviously, it would take a lot of money to get him away and, and the wages would be well in excess of what most of the others are earning. But you, you just have to say Gareth Bale would be... If, you, if, if Tottenham could make one signing in this window, I'd say Gareth Bale could actually turn their season around. So, you know, I don't think... I'm, I'm guessing Daniel Levy isn't a listener. You never know, but... Um, <laughs> Daniel, if you are listening, make this happen now. Make it happen. Make it happen. Make it happen. I mean, I, I agree with you, Jerry. I think for me, bringing that kind of calibre player back to the club, I think that would really connect the fan base, which at the moment seems so fragmented. I know I spoke to you about this off-air yeah. before we came on, and at the moment, it does seem that, you know, six months ago, nine months ago, and that bit up to that Champions League final, never had I felt more connected as a supporter at the club. I felt everybody was together. Everybody was really kind of, you know, so united in terms of what they were focusing on. Whereas at the moment with Tottenham, it just feels everything is broken again. I look at the supporters' trust. I look at other fans with each other. And I look at the, you know, the with the board at the moment. I've never felt so disconnected in terms of what's happening at Tottenham at the moment. It's such a shame because Pochettino came in and he rebuilt that to some degree. Whereas at the moment, you fear... It's going back to that period, and we hope it isn't because I think there's still a lot to look forward to. So I think oh, you know, Gareth Bale yeah. would be a, would be like you said there, Jerry. I think it would be a real game changer. But one player who, when Mourinho came in, we saw his game did change up, and we saw him did improve was Deli Ali. And I just wonder, Rob, you know, someone like Ali that you know, you look at that game yesterday. How can a player like that be so anonymous? Where you know, in the opening games under Mourinho, he was so vibrant, he was energetic, he looked back. What can you think at the moment is stopping Dele Alli from being right at the top of his game to which he is? Or is that just the natural of a young player, Rob, just always will have, you know, indifferent form? Yeah, uh, I think I think so. Uh, I think, like like you mentioned, when it, it was just like a new player, really, when uh, Mourinho first took on the job. And oh, Ali's had probably a difficult 18 months through injuries and that. Uh, but... You know, he looked like he was getting back to his old self again in Reina's first few games. Uh, obviously, that's tailed off in, in recent weeks. But, you know, he's, he's not the only one whose performances have dropped as well. But, you know, players like Deli Ali, uh, Christian Eriksen, etc. They're the ones you want to be uh, grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck and, you know, dragging the team, kicking and screaming to three points at Watford. Uh, I think... What's probably not helped him is with Kane's absence. You've seen his roles change a bit. He's not playing behind Kane. Uh, it's, it's frustrating, really, because you know there's, there's such a good player there who who can win you games, and you know hopefully on Wednesday it'll prove to be the difference. 
I have to ask you, Mike, this question. This is, again, a, a kind of random one. This is from John Wardell at Old J Jub. He says, has anyone on the show any explanation of how our talented players have become so mediocre? They have everything going for them. Fantastic stadium, first-rate training facilities, and now they get paid a decent rate. So what's going wrong when we were so close to success? Can you put your finger on it, Mike? Do you know what, Rick? It it really bugs me. Um, have I been deluded? I don't know. Um, but then you go back, you know, the, the defeat at Burnley, poor. Southampton, really poor. You know, this has been going on. This this was a whole year. But then obviously we had the sort of Champions League, which was just wonderful. I said to friends in uh, Madrid, I said, if Tottenham win today, I feel like we've completed a, a game. You know, that I'd feel sort of a bit more relaxed as the next few years. because It was really getting to me. The, like, the no trophies every time. And it was really... In your ear, every second. But Tottenham would have won the ultimate, the ultimate European trophy, where rivals were so scared that Spurs were going to win it. But then you just look at it. The players, Rose, Fire, Tongan, Toby. You could just see all of them slightly regressed, all of them in their own way. Didn't replace Trippier. Haven't got an alternative back up to Kane. And Dombele hasn't hit the ground running. Lloris's injury. You can kind of see why it's all happened in a way. And it's just uns- the squad is unsettled. The team is unsettled, unbalanced. And you've gone in the summer where I think we'll just bring about three in. That'll do. And they did get three in. But now you're looking at about wanting seven or eight out. And you want about seven or eight in. Now, whether that's going to happen, I know. But. That's how I see it at the moment. Am I speaking as someone who's frustrated, can't look at the league table right now? Yes, maybe. But I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm looking at that squad and I don't think it's that great. I agree. I, I, it's, just, it's crazy, isn't it? And you look between the period of kind of six to 12 months, how things are so much different. A lot of it, I think, is down to the fact that if you don't bring you know, a player in for 18 months, you don't freshen or you don't reinvigorate the squad, I think that is where, for me, you are going to suffer the kind of form we have. I even look at last season, you know, Man City, when they didn't win the title and they decided to kind of stick what they had and they didn't decide to invest. And you look at the gap between them and Liverpool now, I think, again, a lot of that is down to not rejuvenating the squad and look how close they were, Mike. Do you see what I'm coming from? Well, of course, but, you know, Tottenham finished above Liverpool, I think, eight times in nine years. And, you know, it was funny, a few weeks ago, Spurs were tweeting out wins against Liverpool and particularly the one at Wembley. And a Liverpool fan tweeted, thanks for this defeat, because it, it, it was Lovren's worst game and they ended up inquiring about Van Dijk to Celtic weeks after. And they got a deal, sorry, Southampton. And they probably and they ended up getting a deal done in January, best defender in the world. And for me, Alisson's, if not the best goal in the world, one of the top three goalkeepers in the world. The most settled team I've seen. You know, and they could actually be unbeaten all season. And I hope they and I hope they do to stop the invinci- Arsenal Invincible talk. Um, but looking at Tottenham now, it's just different planets different planets it's it's concerning and 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 jose has got a huge job on his hands i looked at jack Reedish yesterday you know I, th- I thought that deal was done a couple of summers ago i look at him yesterday god, how good does he look now mike god how- I, I mean yeah but do you know what i understand where some you know and i wasn't sure i had reservations the championships are hard league to to judge but you can tell he's a better player in the premier league than he is championship because he's such a talent and you look at him and think the Spurs fans would have absolutely loved that boy. Um, 
yeah, so major surgery needed. And they've got the Euro slap bang in the middle. I hope for Harry Kane's sake that he's back because I know how much it means to him. Although the non-Spurs fans, England fans, don't deserve him with some of the comments you read on social media. It's just absolutely unbelievable. But really, he needs a summer off, without doubt. But he won't want that. But it is such a crucial summer for the football club. It's untrue. Yeah, I agree. It's such a crucial summer. And it could be a crucial summer for this man, Harry Winks. Because, Jerry, I want to ask you, he was the lone holding midfielder. He had a lot of work to do up at Watford. He had to cover Aurea quite a few times. He played a great Alderesque ball to Son in the first half, but was also wasteful during periods of that game. What does the long-term future hold for Harry Winks? I look at him, Jerry, and I'm not too tall to me if he's a Mourinho-type player, if you see where I'm coming from. For a start, I think we have to redefine what is a Mourinho-type player, because... Uh, you know, Mourinho is not doing what he was doing when he first arrived at Chelsea or what he what he did when he went to Inter or Real Madrid or, or Man United. So I, I don't know what a real uh, a Mourinho's type player is anymore. I think I think what we have to say is Harry Winks is a really good footballer. I mean, whether he's been putting it in week in, week out is a different story. And he, he's obviously still got some some slight issues with his ankle because he had a, you know, let's not forget, he'd just broken it into the team and then he got a really serious injury that knocks him out for a long time. Um, I think there's a really good footballer in, in Harry Winks and I've always liked him. And I think I can see his performances suffer as much, I think, because of what he's asked to do. So, you know, a- again, Mourinho said this yesterday, you know, against what Watford have is a, is a powerful midfield um, you know they're all they're all sort of brawn and they're not a lot of of guile in there. They're, they're, they're grafters. You know, Capu. You know, let's face it, he wasn't. He was he was appalling at Spurs. And I know Watford fans love him, but he's still his attitude is not great. And I think you know I don't I don't think he's I wouldn't like to see him back at Tottenham for for example. I don't think he's a great player. Um, I think you know there are one or two of those midfielders that that you look at and you think. Maybe maybe he could do a job for Tottenham. You know, Dekure, I think, is a couple of years ago, um, middle of, up to the middle of last season, probably, Dekure was looking like a sort of player you might like to see at Spurs. But anyway, that aside, you're asking Winks to sort of be a holding midfielder against them. And so you've got to play a slightly different way. Um, I did, I, I said to someone yesterday, the, you know, Spurs are looking like Arsenal were about four or five years ago when they had Wilshere, Cazorla, Ozil, Walcott, very quick players wide, small creative players, no big presence in the middle of midfield and no big sort of focal point up front. And, you know, Arsenal ended up really no, getting nowhere near the league, but they won They won the FA Cup a couple of times. And I think Spurs are, <laughs> Spurs are sort of that sort of side at the moment. You know, they're having to sort of compensate for lack, the lack of, a well, clearly without Harry up front and then with Sissoko out of the midfield and Dyer off his game, um, without a good, strong physical presence. You know, we've never replaced Moussa Dembele, obviously. And you end up with, um, you know, a, a different shape to your team and a different type of, of team and if you you know if you go back to the really basics of football get your spine right well at the moment the spine at Spurs is is you know it's 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 not right the goalkeeper is is the second choice um and I'm a, I'm a little worried about Hugo you know mentally what what he'll be like I think we all are Jerry I mean, you're, not, you're just well, not too listen, short the reach you're gonna get do you that's the, that's yeah, the problem I mean not not just because he you know he, obviously he was all, he's always been a little prone to injuries but uh, you know even 
I used to say a, a, a top keeper is one who will save you, who, who will gain you points every year, 12 points a year. And, and Hugo was, was statistically proven he was he was gaining points. So he, he had the, you know, he, he had um, merits on that on that level. But coming back from an injury like this, I mean, a broken and dislocated elbow in one, you know, you, you only hope his, his comeback game isn't someone like Burnley where you're going to get, you know, Wood and, and Barnes who are more than happy to sort of try and smash him in the back of the net. You know, that's that would be the, a nightmare for him because that's, it's like Peter Cech when he came back from that fractured skull. How how much is it, you know, the physical um, injury might have healed, but mentally are they strong enough? So anyway, that's another issue. But you look you look through the spine at Spurs, it's not your first choice keeper. You haven't got a number nine. And, and you know, when you talk about Delhi the other day, he, he, he started against Liverpool as number nine. He, he was playing in Harry's position against Liverpool. You know, you... You're asking Deli Alley to play there for the first time, maybe since his MK Dons days. Um, midfield is not what you'd want in your midfield. You know, when you once had um, Moussa Dembele or Eric Dyer at his best, and then a, a creative player like Ericsson, and then you or, or Deli, and then you had Harry in the front. You know, we're miles away from that, miles and miles away from that. So that's that's a real problem to start with. Um, so I think we're we're a long way away from from having. I don't think it's major surgery. I don't think it's seven players out seven in. I don't think that's going to help. I think that would put back. You don't buy this word rebuild, Jerry? No, no rebuild, but not seven. You okay. know, I don't think I don't think you talk about seven. I think the rebuild has begun because Lo Celso, Cessignon, Undombele are all good future without doubt. They're 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 going to. So they've had, you know, this this long to settle in. Maybe, maybe we don't know about Jetson Fernandez, but he might be one that will settle in. But come, well, ideally now, but come the summer, certainly they've got to address the fullback positions and the main striker. I think it's seven or eight to come in now. I think it's three or four have come in. Now another three or four next summer. Um, and hope that the three or four who come in will be bedded in properly by then, you know. I agree. It's going to be interesting to keep your eyes on this one. So we're going to look ahead to Watford in a couple of minutes. But before that, I just want to mention Jetson Fernandez and also Giovanni Lachelso. Now, it appears, Rob, for me, watching that game against Watford, that a lot of the good things about Tottenham did come through Giovanni Lachelso. You know, for Spurs, he was taken off with 10 minutes to go. But for me, on the field, he kept the ball moving, picked out teammates in the opposition half, always looked to move forward and battled away out of possession. Do you think he's going to win Mourinho round in the end and he is going to secure a permanent move to the club? Definitely. I think he's had a... A very good start to 2020, to be honest. I uh, thought he was good off the bench at Middlesbrough in the cup, made a difference. Spurs scored pretty much straight after that. Liverpool, again, uh, did very well. And then, I mean, got his uh, reward and started against Borough last week in the cup replay. And I thought it was brilliant. And then, you know, on Saturday against Wat- Watford, uh, everything was going through him. I think Spurs look uh, a lot a lot, lot better uh, as a team with him in. Uh, there's certainly more fluid. Uh, there's uh, more uh, more attacking. Uh, I think he's, uh, he's definitely gone to uh, sign on a permanent basis if they can get it done. Uh, with Jedson Fernandez yesterday, he came on for the last 10 minutes. You know, 10 minutes isn't a lot of time to make uh, an impression, but... I thought he looked good. I thought he looked bright. Some um, some good touches in there in the midfield. Uh, I did like his run 
when Lucas played him in, personally thought he, he could have uh, taken that first time instead of uh, taking a, another touch and then trying to play it across. So um, definitely a bright cameo from Jedson, and I think what could probably help him is the fact that his family are living in the capital. He can speak English fluently, uh, so hopefully, whereas it does take quite a bit of time for some foreign players to settle in. Hopefully Jedson can hit the ground running, but I think Jedson and Lacelso could be uh, definitely important players for for uh, for Mourinho over this uh, next 12 months or so. Yeah, well, we know Jedson Fernandes will be here for at least 18 months. That's the deal that's been done for him. And Mike, questioning from Bailey Cross at Delhi Tubby, who says, now we've seen a little bit of Jedson, how do you think he will adapt to our team? Yeah, do you know what? It was good he had a little bit of a cameo, actually. I mean, maybe the slight criticism of, of, of Poch maybe was was the use of bringing in new signings and sort of bedding them in. And sometimes I thought, well, you know, it took too long to get them in. But so he's not like the Boris phrase, oven ready. But I mean, obviously, it's good to get him in early. And it clearly means he'll be around the first team, which is good. Yeah, his mother lives in London. And uh, the funny thing is, I thought he was going to join West Ham because three of his mates are in the West Ham Academy, but obviously he's chosen Spurs, which which is good. Um, Come on, Mike, he's, he's, got, a... he's got a brain on him. Come on, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's very, very much a Mr. Sissoko in terms of can play anywhere. Um, but he's, he's, he's good, got a good pass on him as well. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he'll be um, he'll be a big player for Spurs. But obviously it's hard with new signings, isn't it? Because you want him to come straight in and, and make an immediate impact. We are going to go for one very final quick break and when we return, we discuss Norwich City to come at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Wednesday as we attempt to get back to winning ways in the Premier League. And Jerry, Norwich at the moment, bottom of the Premier League, played 23, won just four, drawn five and lost 14 games. Oh, they, they win the weekend against Bournemouth. What kind of game, Jerry? will we be seeing goals? I think that's the key. Will Spurs be scoring goals? Well, I think we see the sort of game we saw at uh, Carrow Road, you know, around Christmas, where they are a bright, attacking, enterprising side who can beat anyone. You know, they beat they beat City, didn't they? Um, but the question will be, you know, how will they approach the game coming to Tottenham, where you know you've seen teams who are from the lower half of the table come and you know just pack out a defence and say, well, come come and beat us. You know, the work that maybe the the most blatant one was. Brighton towards the end of last season, where it's just, you know, it took what eighty seventh minute to, to finally break that resistance. I don't think they are that strong defensively, um, and, and one of their lads was sent off yet, uh, yesterday, wasn't he? So he's, he's he's out already. They'll be a little bit weaker. Pookie can score a goal. We know that. You know, he's he's always a threat. And Spurs have got to watch that on the break, but they they've just got to find a way to break down teams. And and, and as I say, my worry is I don't see enough. I don't see enough there at the moment that they've they've got that sort of you 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 know you know Harry Kane would score against the Norwich you know um, I don't know if Lucas or, or Sonny will you know and that and that that'd be my worry so if they get an early goal against Middlesbrough um, great because that should lift the sort of tension if they if they haven't scored after half an hour um, then it could be like Brighton on on um, Boxing Day you know that was getting a bit tense wasn't it. And I think that that would be the concern. If, if Spurs go half an hour without scoring against Norwich, the crowd starts getting restless and it all, you know, gets jittery and a bit nervous. And, you know, I, I mean, listen, Spurs ought to win this one, ought to win it. Um, they've just got to the way to goal because that is 
by without a question, that's the big issue at the moment. You know, the number of goals they've scored in the Premier League is 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 embarrassing at the moment for a club of Tottenham's resources. Yeah, you got to agree on that, haven't you? In terms of our inability at the moment to find the back of the net, that is worrying. And you look at the stats out there. You know, the Spurs have not scored a goal in the Premier League for 270 minutes. You know, we failed to score in three consecutive Premier League games for the first time since November 2013. And we're also about a win in our last six Premier League games, which Harry Kane has played no part whilst failing to score on four occasions in that run. So that just tells you at the moment, our lack of goals is a massive, massive worry. But you look at the top four here, Rob. You know, and Chelsea had a massive blow for them. They've got their next four Premier League games against Arsenal, Leicester, United and Spurs. And although the gap at the moment is still sizable in terms of eight points, if Mourinho and Levy can fix Spurs over the coming weeks... It's not too late, is it, Rob? No, it's still definitely doable. I know eight points isn't uh, what you'd want at the moment, but there's still a lot of uh, football to be played. There's going to be plenty of points won and lost. As mentioned with Chelsea's uh, games coming up, I think it's like Arsenal, Leicester United, and then Spurs in February. I can see Chelsea dropping points there. Uh, you know, Spurs are going to have to capitalise on that, and that means uh, scoring goals. Uh, I think bringing in a strike is going to be key. Uh, I think what probably helps Spurs as well, I don't think they have to go to any of the top six over the remainder of the season, apart from Chelsea in February, that everything else is at home. Uh, yeah, I, there's still, like I said, there's still a long way to go. There's a lot of football to be played, and you know, uh, when Mourinho first came in, it was 12 points, managed to whittle that down to three. I know that's now eight, but it's definitely doable. Uh, I think what it will come down to is whether Spurs bring in a striker or not uh, this, this month. Mike, just in terms of this top four battle, you know, for me at the moment, as as much as I'm a believer, I still think at the moment maybe it's not at a touching distance. You look at Chelsea's own inconsistencies and their schedule, and it's slightly keeping that door ajar for Spurs. And we mentioned the fact that, you know, Mourinho and Levy, they need to fix it before the end of this month. Tell us, Mike, you know, you're heavily involved. We see you on Sky, the transfer talk. You're obviously on that a lot. I mean, who would you look to bring in, Mike? I haven't asked you that. For you... Who would you like to see arrive before the end of that January transfer window? The, the, the problem is, Rick, it, it, is the word January. It's just so difficult. The only time I can really remember how, how, how good it was once was when Harry brought the band back together, when he got Robbie Keane back in, Jermaine Defoe back in. Nico Bondo, And then, yeah, then did he bring Palacios that January as well? I mean, wow, what a January. Do you know what? I'm going to say something here. Everyone, everyone likes to mock the Sahara and Nelson. Luisa Hara actually did really well for Tottenham. And, uh, you know, him and Adebayor are actually quite good for a few months. Now, I know Spurs should have had a couple more in with a bit more quality in terms of that season. But I actually thought Zahar did all right for Tottenham. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the, 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 the names being linked with Tottenham at the moment, they, they aren't really getting you off your seat, are they? Someone who's not really playing much for AFC Milan. Someone who's been offered from, from FC Porto because of his agency. It needs, hopefully, something out of nowhere where I can, with a big grin on my face, and say, I've got something to tell you all. But unfortunately, there isn't at the moment. You're gonna, you know, you're hearing the Cavani's in a dream world and all this. But the, the reality is you're not going to get someone who is, who is a, a, an actual starter at the moment scoring goals unless you're going to pay silly, silly, silly money. If Olivier Giroud played for, uh, let's say, Liverpool or Man City, 
then he, for me, would be the prime candidate. He'd, he'd be brilliant for Tottenham. But he, Chelsea will not sell him to Tottenham, not in a million years. And I look at the top four race at the moment. It's still amazing to think Spurs are in a top four race because it's been such a terrible season. But just like last season, really, Spurs lost so many games in the league, but they ended up finishing fourth. It, you know, anyone, it's anyone's from, from you know, Liverpool won this league, done. But this, everything is still so open. Like Manchester United, fifth. Oh, Man United, fifth. You know, it's 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 just, a, again, it's such an open season where if you have a little bit of consistency, you are right up there. So it doesn't really matter what the Chelsea's keep doing or whatever or what they're losing. It really is what Spurs need to be doing. Now, imagine Stamford Bridge in a few weeks. If Spurs have a couple of wins under their belts and then you go to Stamford Bridge, wow. But I really want to go to Stamford Bridge with a decent striker under our belts. If Spurs don't acquire a striker, then then they've got no chance at the top four. It's as simple as that. Okay, Mark, listen, I'm going to close the show by asking you three questions. One, can I get a Watford prediction? And the other two, are we going to get a striker and are we going to finish in the top four? Just your own personal opinion. Give us the Right, three. so Watford, I think, will draw nil-nil. Okay. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> <laughs> See what we did there, Rick. I saw you did there. That was good. Yeah. No, uh, Nor- uh, Nor- Norwich 2 1. Um, okay. Striker? Yes. Will Spurs, get, will Spurs get a striker? Yes. Okay. At the, moment, I, at the moment, I cannot give you a name, unfortunately. Um, thirdly, what was the third question? Are we going to finish in the top four? Nice, easy one, Mike. Oh, thanks, Rick. Um, I've got to be honest with you. No, I don't think they are. And it's okay. going to be a massive disappointment. It's going to be a massive disappointment because. I had Chelsea down for eighth or ninth, and I don't think anyone. I spoke to someone at Chelsea a few weeks ago. They can't believe they're fourth. You know, it's so yeah. If they don't finish the top four this season, it'll be a major disappointment. And then then goes the debate: Do you want to be in the Europa League next season? My but God, God. hey, that's that, 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 that's for another pod. But yeah, so yeah, Spurs two one. Yes, they'll get a striker because they simply have to. Who I don't know at the moment. Hopefully, that will change this week. And thirdly, no, I don't think they're finishing the top four. Sorry, listeners. Okay. Thanks, Mike, as always, for your honesty. Jerry, over to you next. Those three questions. Top four, striker, Norwich prediction. What are you going to give us? I'm also going nil-nil at Watford. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also going uh, 2-1 against Norwich. Um, I went two. I I had to predict the Middlesbrough game, and I got 2-1 on that. So at least I uh, got one thing right. Um... Will we get a striker? I really hope so. Um, I, I, I would find it. I, I just think it's it will be club down by not bringing in a striker when it's it's not even a case of a few weeks for for Kane. It's pretty much the season gone. While the Champions League is still there and the FA Cup's still there and the chance for top four's still there, they've got to go for it. They've got to go for it. You just hope it's not going to be another Raziak who was. 11th choice who came in at 11.30 on a I last mean, night. Raziak or no one? What would you do? I mean, I'd probably take oh, Raziak at the moment. No, oh, I'd go no one. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that's as Andy Booth does, isn't it? Yeah, okay, yeah. and top four, what are you saying? What are you going to well, say there, Jerry? I, um, I don't know. I really don't know. Don't I think know. I was saying at the start of the season, I, unlike Mike, I was saying Chelsea, I think, I, I could see what Chelsea were doing at the start of the season was a lot like Spurs in the first season or so under Poch where giving the kids a chance and, and, you know, have a manager who brought the, the fans back on board. But they've, and, and they were looking good for that up until, um, until Christmas. I was seeing them breaking the top four, 
I think they've started to slip and 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 the fans are starting to turn on Lampard a little bit, which really surprises me. Um, not enough to get him out, but but to undermine their confidence. So I think they're the only ones there that are, that, are, that can let it slip. You know, Leicester is still too far ahead and City as well. Um, but, you know, Spurs have got to put some run a run of wins together because Wolves are in a better position. Sheffield United are a better position. I think United, Man United are, are not a good team. They're in a false position. Um but Spurs have to have to do it. So I think it's it's a really tough one. Eight eight points from now to to the end of the season. It's a lot to make up if you're not playing well or winning games, and they're not playing well and they're not winning games. So something has to change. It has to be it has to be a really good striker coming in that 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 will get them a top four spot. Yeah, something sticky, doesn't it? And finally, Rob, coming in. It's your time. It's top four striker, and then prediction for Norwich. What are you going to give us? Right, I'll go for a 2-0 win against Norwich. Second consecutive clean sheet. What would be a most welcome. God, that's a record in itself, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of a striker, yes, I think there will be one coming in. I think there's basically there's no other option. Someone has to come in or there will be no Champions League football. I don't know who that will be, but hopefully it will be a proven Premier League Goal scorer, that would be uh, the ideal scenario. And then for the top four, I think it's got to go right down to the wire. I think Chelsea will drop points over the next few weeks and I think Spurs will close the gap. They'll go down to the wire. I'll go, they'll, they'll sneak in just. Just looking at Chelsea's last couple of games, they've got Liverpool away in the penultimate one and then Wolves at home on the final day. So they could be two massive games. I'll go to sneak in. Am I glad, Rob, I've saved you two last? Because you've given us exactly what all <laughs> we wanted. We wanted the striker. We wanted top four. And we're going to get a clean sheet and a win, aren't we? That's what we're hoping for against Norwich. Rob, thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's been a pleasure. And just for listeners out there, where can they find your content? I know you work very closely with Ali Gold. Tell us where we can find your content, Rob. Yeah, uh, football.london, uh, where I was at the games, home uh, home and away and abroad as well. So, yeah, always keep an eye out on football.london. We'll have all the latest news from Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Lovely. And where can they follow you, Rob? You're on Twitter, right? On Twitter, yeah, it's at Rob Guesty. Okay. Again, Rob, real pleasure having you on. Jerry, thanks for coming and also making your debut. Jerry, we're holding you, Jerry, to Gareth Bale being a Tottenham player once again. <laughs> No Listen, pressure. I, can, I, I just hope it happens, yeah. Yeah, oh. fingers crossed, everything crossed. Fantastic. <laughs> Jerry. obviously, it's funny, you go to a lot of Mourinho's press conferences, so it'll be interesting to see over the course of this season and next just how the man is and then what's he going to be like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, hopefully he's a happy man and a, a winning man. You know? Yeah, unfortunately about that fire alarm we saw yesterday go off in that uh, press conference. <laughs> Sums it all up, <laughs> doesn't it? Does sum it all up. Thank you so much. And Mike, no pressure. We're going to be watching you very closely in this January transfer window, of course, on Sky Sports, and hoping you're the man to break us the news about that striker. I'd want nothing more, Rick. Honestly, I want nothing more. Okay. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming back on. Guys, we are going to be back this coming Thursday on Love Sport Radio, hopefully talking to you about a Tottenham Hotspur win. Keep the faith. We're getting a striker. We might be even getting top four. Come on, you Spurs! Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.